hey, it's so good to see you all tonight. Glad that you're here. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Meredith, and hi, guys. Uh, my husband, Brandon, and I, uh, he's the one who spoke last week, get to co-direct this ministry, so that's pretty fun. Are you guys all having a good start to the quarter so far? Yeah? Good. I'm so glad. Me too. I love spring quarter. I think it's probably one of my favorites. I don't know. I go back and forth between spring and fall, but I feel like spring, you like are looking forward to summer, and it's like warm, supposedly. Not really now, but it was. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great. So, well, hey, I'm really excited to get to speak to you guys tonight, and I'm excited about our message series that we're going through this quarter. Um, if you missed us last week, we are going through a series called Joining God's Story. Okay, Joining God's Story. And I don't know about you guys, uh, but for me as a kid, I was always taught that Jesus was the one who joined me and came to be part of my life. Um, it's kind of the quintessential Sunday school teaching uh, that of like inviting Jesus to come into your heart. And from that image, I got this idea that as a follower of Jesus, I could just kind of keep living my life, pursuing my goals and my dreams, and Jesus would just kind of come alongside me and join me in what I was doing. I could keep living my life the way I wanted. But the more I study the Bible, the more and more convinced I have become that that's not actually how it works at all. <laughs> Instead of joining our lives, I really believe that Jesus calls us to join him in his greater mission and what he's doing here on this earth. He invites us to be part of something bigger that he is doing in the world. Isn't that so cool? God invites us to partner with what he, with him and what he is doing here in this world. Well, last week, Brandon taught us from the first few chapters of Genesis about how God is a missional God. We learned that God originally created human beings in his image to live in perfect relationship with him and with the rest of creation. It was this image of beautiful, like, perfect relationship. But he, um, he also taught us that humans rebelled against God and chose to image the devil instead. Being like, wha being like God was not good enough. They wanted to be God-like. They wanted the power and authority for themselves. And as a result, this beautiful, perfect relationship they had with the Lord was broken. And sin entered the world. And ever since then, we learned that God has been on mission to bring people back into right relationship with him and to bring people back into his kingdom. And what's really cool is that all throughout scripture, we see that God's chosen method of accomplishing this mission is through people just like me and just like you. So this quarter, we are looking at how God partners with people to accomplish his mission on earth. And we're asking the question, how is God inviting us to join his story? How is God inviting us to join his story? And tonight we get to read one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, like legit. It's probably in the top, I don't know, five or ten. Um, and we get to see how one person who said yes to joining God's story impacted the world for eternity. So it's pretty cool. Um, we guys pray with me, and then we will read. Lord Jesus, um, I just invite you to come and be here tonight, God. Um, 
yeah, we just love you, Jesus, and we are so excited to be able to gather together and learn more about who you are and learn more about your word. God, I pray that you would help us to have open hearts and minds to what you would want to speak to us tonight, God. Pray that you would help us to leave behind um, anything that we like we're doing before this or um, not focus on things that we're doing after this, but just be here and be present with you, God. So we invite you to speak, Lord. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, if I can get my Bible passage to come forward, that would be awesome. If you guys uh, don't have a Bible with you here tonight and you want one, um, you can just raise your hand and these guys will get that for you. This is also our gift to you. If you'd like to take it home, you can totally do that too. Okay, we're going to be reading in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, all the way to 12, verse 9. Okay, Genesis 11, 31 to 12, 9. It says, Terah took his son Abram. Actually, I'm going to pause right there. When you guys see the word, the name Abram in the story, um, know that that is interchangeable with Abraham. So if you hear me say Abraham later, just know that they're the same person. Okay, we're good now. Um, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran. And they set out toward the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of e- the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So the first question I want to ask us tonight is where exactly does this story begin? Where does the story begin? What exactly is the setting? So take a closer look at chapter 11, verse 31. It says that Abram and his family had settled in Haran. Do you guys know what that means, that they settled there? Well, it just simply means they were home. This was their home. So I want you all to do something with me right now. Fun little exercise. Uh, Go ahead and close your eyes and imagine the place that you are most comfortable and at home in. So everyone just go ahead, close your eyes right now. And imagine where you're most comfortable and at home. Maybe it's your parents' house. Maybe you're chilling on the couch. Maybe it's your dorm room. Maybe you love to be outside hiking and you feel really at home in nature. And there's this one trail where you could like do it backwards and forwards with your eyes closed because you know it so well. Picture yourself there. How do you feel? Are you at peace? Are you comfortable? Are you relaxed? You guys can open your eyes now. 
Thank you. So why did I have us do this? I had us do this because this is where Abraham is at the start of this story. Okay, he is at home. He's in a place that is very comfortable to him. He's surrounded by his extended family. Um, his wife is there. His friends are there. He has this like steady, stable routine. He knows his neighbors. He knows where he's going to get food. He's comfortable and he's at home. That's where this story starts out. Let me tell you, for me personally, that is the place that I enjoy being the most. I love being in that place where I'm just, like, comfortable. Um, I think sometimes I love comfort even to, like, a fault. I love being home. I love being surrounded by my people, my stuff. I love being able to set my schedule and my routine. Can anyone else, like, relate to that a little bit? Yeah. We like that control, I think. Um, yeah. I think it's a pretty human normal thing to desire comfort. But now let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. It says that the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay, so what happens here? Well, Abram is just living his life at home. He's in his, like, comfortable place, and he hears from God. Like, God shows up and speaks to him. And what the Lord says is actually, like, really heavy. It's not like this light little pep talk. It's like this really huge, life-changing thing. He says, go from your country, go from your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And the word go there um, that is used, in, in Hebrew it means to determinedly disassociate oneself. I'm going to say that again because it's kind of a mouthful determinedly disassociate oneself. And so what God is saying is he's saying, Abraham, I want you to determinedly disassociate yourself with your country, with your people, and with your father's house. I want you to leave everything that you know. I want you to leave everything that is comfortable, everything that is familiar, and go to a place that I will show you. It's heavy. If you guys are Abraham, what what would you be thinking in that moment? Now imagine again that, you, that you're at your home, that you're in your like, place of comfort, and God shows up and says this to you. He says, you know, Cruz, I want you to leave your family. I know I just name-dropped you. <laughs> he says, Tony, I want you to get out of this country right now. He says, DJ, I want you to leave everything that is familiar and comfortable to you. Imagine God says that to you, like you like hear the Lord say that. How would you react? How would you feel in that moment? You know, for me, I really would hope that I'd be like, all right, Jesus, like, let's go, let's do this. But I don't know if I would, honestly. I think it'd be really tempting to say, you know what, God, that's like not convenient for me right now. I like where I live. I like my family. I like being in my comfort zone, and I, I don't really want to go. You know, I think about um, the SBO trips that a lot of us just went on and how stretching that was just being outside of our comfort zone for a week, right? Not being able to set your schedule, your routine, like that, was that, that stretched us, that grew us and challenged us. Now, now imagine God ask you, asking you to do that permanently. How would you react? What's even crazier to me is that God shows up and says this, and then he also doesn't even tell Abraham where to go, Right? He says, just go to the place I'm going to show you. What? 
if we look at um, Hebrews 11, which I think we have up here, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, hi as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So already God is asking him to do this incredibly hard thing of leaving his home, leaving his family. And then he goes one step further and says, I'm not going to tell you where you're going. That's so hard. And if I'm being honest, I think that part of the story almost like makes me uncomfortable, right? Like I said, I really love comfort, and I think for, for me, being comfortable has a lot to do with being in control of my life. I'm the person who has a plan for everything, okay? I love my plan. I love my calendar. I love my schedule. I have daily plans. I have weekly plans. I have yearly plans. Anyone else out there, like, planning? Yeah, a couple of you. I feel like there's more, but I don't know. Um, and when I change those, when those, when those plans get changed or if I, like, lose that sense of control, I have a really hard time with that. It's challenging. And I think it's pretty normal to want to be in control, to want to have a sense of control over your life. But when we refuse to surrender our control to God, what we're really saying is, God, I trust myself more than I trust you. So God asks Abra Abraham to trust him. He asks him to relinquish his control and allow God to be the one who leads him. And he asks us to do the same thing today, right? He asks us to leave our story and join God's story. So tonight I want to ask you, how are you guys doing with that? How tightly are we holding on to our plans? Do we have them in like a fist like this? Like these are my plans? Or do we have them like in open hands? giving the Lord permission to have input and say. If God asked you right now to give up your plan, how would you react? Often, I think it's easy to say, God, I will follow you if, right? I'll follow you if it's good timing. I'll follow you if it's convenient for me. I'll follow you if it doesn't make me uncomfortable. But guys, God wants all of us, right? He wants every little bit of us. He calls us to obey. He calls us to leave our comfort zone and follow him no matter what that entails. Even if we have no idea where he is leading us next. And so are you willing to answer God's call even if it isn't comfortable or convenient? Really think about that. So in our story, how does Abraham react to this call? Well, look at verse 4 with me. It says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Abraham went. Like, this is astounding to me, right? Abraham picked up his whole life, and he radically obeyed the Lord. You know, as I've been studying this passage, I've been asking myself, you know, why did God use, why, why did God choose Abraham to be such an important person in our faith? Like, why, why Abraham? Because honestly, he wasn't that great of a dude, okay? Like, if you read through Genesis, he made a lot of mistakes, and he got into a lot of, like, really sketchy situations. But I think that the reason God chose Abraham was not because he was a perfect person, but because he was an obedient person. Take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty six to 31. Here Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, and he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Do you guys know that God doesn't just choose people who are the best and the brightest? Do you guys know that? You don't have to have this perfect resume to follow the Lord. He knows that all of us have weaknesses. He knows all of us are sinful. He knows all of us have made mistakes. And the amazing thing is that God wants to take our weakness and he wants to use that for his glory. So God is the one who made Abraham worthy. All Abraham did was say yes and obey. Okay, so let's recap for a minute, figure out where we're at. First of all, we saw Abraham was home, right? That's where the story started. Abraham was at home. Then we see that God calls Abraham to go, and we see that Abraham obeys. That leaves us with the question, well, what is next? Like, why did God ask him to go? So to answer that, let's look at verses 2 and 3. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so God says he's going to bless Abraham. Okay, and I think in our, our culture, this word bless kind of is a loaded word, right? Like when we hear the word bless, uh, probably a lot of things start coming into your mind. You know, I think of maybe having kind of like an easy life, maybe having a lot of possessions or like a great job, a lot of money, maybe a perfect relationship or a great family that always like gets along really well, maybe going on nice vacations. We have all these like images that come into our mind when we think about being blessed. And when we read this, it almost sounds like God is saying he's going to give Abraham this like great easy life, right? But we know that when we look at scripture, when we read the Bible, we have to take it as a whole. And we just spent all of winter quarter learning from First Peter about how suffering and trials are a really normal part of life. And as, as followers of God, we need to expect those to come. So to be blessed cannot mean that life is perfect. So what then is the point of this statement? Like, why say it? Well, I think that the point is that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. God is saying, yes, I will provide for you. I will be with you. I'm going to have this amazing relationship with you, Abraham. But, God, but your, your job is to go and to bless others by representing me to those who do not know me. You're blessed to be a blessing. Your job is to leave your story and join my story in what I am doing in this world. This is one of the most missional statements in the entire Bible. Right? We've been talking about go how God is a missional God. This is a missional statement. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so the focus here is not on what Abraham gets. It's not on what Abraham is receiving. It is the focus is on Abraham saying yes to being part of God's story. It's the focus is on God working powerfully through him to bless others. 
When I was a senior in college, um, I started to realize that God was calling me to do the Calpa internship. And up until this point in my life, um, I had this nice plan put together. Like I said, I was a planner, right? I had like my five-year plan. Um, the internship was not in it. I will tell you that. I loved traveling and hotels. I was a recreation and tourism major, um, right? Um, <laughs> and my plan was to go and work at like a big conference center somewhere in some cool location um, at a fancy hotel and all these like, I don't know, conferences were going to come in and I was going to coordinate the details from behind the scenes because that's what I enjoyed doing and what I felt like I was good at. Okay, so I had this great plan, my graduation plan, my job plan, my life plan. Um, and then all these people kept saying, like, hey, you should pray about doing the Kyle internship. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't really know if you know me that well. <laughs> um, I really thought it was, like, crazy when people would say that because at that point I was so quiet and, like, shy. And I didn't have, like, a super huge so social capacity or anything like that. I, ha I hated public speaking. I hated being in front of people. Um, and I just didn't view myself as somebody who could ever do ministry. Like, that's just not something that I envisioned for myself. But the more I prayed, the more God made it clear that that was the direction that he was calling me. And after many, many conversations with mentors and many hours of prayer, I finally chose to obey. Guys, I am so beyond thankful that I chose to trust God with that decision. Because otherwise I, like, would not be here today. I'm so thankful that even though in that moment, looking back, I didn't understand why God would call me to do that. In that moment, I didn't understand, like, how he was going to equip me, but I chose to obey anyway. And over the years, I have been blown away at how much God has been able to use these things that I thought were weaknesses in my life to bless other people. And I don't mean to say that in, like, a braggy way at all. I'm not like I'm so cool or anything. Um, I just mean that when we choose to trust and obey God, he can use us more than we can ever imagine. So tonight I want to ask you, how is God calling you to trust and obey him right now? How is God calling you to trust him and obey him right now? For some of us, maybe that is physically going somewhere like Abraham, right? Abraham was physically called to move locations. Um, so maybe God is calling you to physically move out of your dorm room or apartment so you could live with someone strategically next year. Maybe God is saying, like, hey, maybe you should live with, with roommates who are believers. Maybe you need people to hold you accountable in your life, to spur you on. Or maybe he's saying, you know, that person I've been telling you to reach out to, what would happen if you were roommates with them? Maybe he's calling you to physically move somewhere um, and live strategically. Or maybe he's calling you to physically move overseas after you graduate and give a year. Maybe that's something he seriously wants you to start praying about. Maybe for some of us, the challenge isn't leaving. Maybe for some of us, the challenge is staying and putting down roots and then allowing people to really know you on a deep level. Maybe that's how the Lord wants to challenge you tonight. Or maybe for others, God just wants you to say yes to him by getting out of your comfort zone daily. Maybe he wants you to start waking up in the morning and putting on, like, his lens of the world instead of your own. If he wants you to get up and, and think, Lord, like, how can I be a blessing to others? God, how have you blessed me so that I could be a blessing to other people today? Maybe that looks like speaking up more in core. Maybe he wants you to invite your classmates to Kaupa or tell them about Jesus. I don't know. Every one of us is different. 
How is God calling you to join his story tonight? How is he calling you to bless the world through your obedience? In our story, God called Abraham to leave his home and go to a place that he did not know. He asked for complete trust and complete obedience, and he promised that he would bless the world as a result. But what did that look like? Well, later in Genesis, if we keep reading, keep going through this story, we see that God actually uses Abraham as the foundation for his nation, Israel. Okay, Israel is God's chosen nation whose purpose was to represent him to the rest of the world. Okay, and Abraham had no way to know that his simple act of obedience would have this kind of an impact. He had no way to know that this simple act of obedience would literally set the stage for the rest of the biblical narrative and would pave the way for Jesus. Because when we say yes to God, we have no way of knowing all the amazing things that God is going to do with that yes. We just don't know how far that impact will go. We just get to trust him and obey. You guys know that God can use your simple obedience to impact his kingdom. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up. And as they do that, I want you all to take just the next few minutes, pull out your journals or your phones and a pen, and I want you to journal um, your response to this question. I want you to answer the question, how is God asking me to trust and obey him? How is God asking me to trust and obey him? And how is he asking you to join his story today? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then you guys can do that. Lord Jesus, um, I just thank you so much, God, that you, uh, that you use people like us to bless the world, Lord. Um, God, I thank you so much that you invite us to join your story. Jesus, I thank you that we are all different, Lord, and that you're using us all in different ways. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would really be speaking to us tonight, God, that you would make it so clear how you're asking us to step out in obedience. Jesus, let's make it so clear to each person in this room. I pray that you would speak, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>